And boom, we're back for another episode of AlphaCast. I'm Mike Winter, and I'm here as always with the champion of freedom, Dr. Bear Paul Lando, <laughs> back from the down south beach. Uh, a wonderful Ooh. vacation uh, with the fam. I was quite envious down in like 80 degree SoCal weather as we're up here freezing our kahunis off with, uh, God, we hit in the 30s uh, last few nights. Uh, but I was in the water a lot, Bear, and thank you to my uh, beautiful wetsuit. Uh, I've been enjoying the surf up here, even though I was very envious nice. I'll, uh, of you down there. I'll be out there paddling with you someday soon, hopefully. I have uh, to, you know, being uh, for so many years living in the tropics and uh, trunking it without a wetsuit, you know, it's kind of hard for me to get back into the frigid California water here. Uh, great to be back, you know, awesome, uh, you know, being with family down there, I can never get enough of my grandkids and kids, but um, I really felt like kissing the ground once I got back here, because uh, Southern California is uh, something to behold, that's all I'll say. And we were in a nice place, you know, in Santa yeah. Barbara, you know, we weren't in the uh, inner city or anything like that. So, uh, but anyway, good to be back. And I was uh, at rink on there actually you know oh. just watching uh some pretty good breaks happen the whole time so i'm gonna definitely start surfing uh you know every time i go down there john uh this is so amazing to have you here today uh i'm gonna turn it over to mike and he's gonna just read a, a little bio there to get things off and i'll make a couple remarks but we're just excited to have you here today and um uh just real real special uh oh, you know, the pleasure is uh, all mine thank you both so much yeah, yes, yesterday afternoon, I was uh, writing up a little newsletter, you know, about this podcast, and I was listening to some of your music, you know, my two favorites are Make America Great and Wise Man, and uh, every time I hear Make a, a America Great, it gives me chills, so uh, that's definitely going to go down as one of the all-time uh, Patriot classics there, so uh, you're just awesome, we love you, and uh, Mike, take it away. Sure. Uh, and for those new to Alpha Vedic, you can find out more about us at alphavedic.com. That's A-L-F-A-V-E-D-I-C.com. We have a new refresh site coming soon with a membership platform. So keep an eye out for that. The best way to stay up to date with us is please join our mailing list. We never know when uh, other systems will be shut down. So if you want to stay up to date with everything we're doing, join our mailing list on our site. Yes. And John Nolan today joins us, country music artist, songwriter, and inspirate inspirator <laughs> joins us on this special alpha cast uh he is a uh very much doing big things in his part of the world uh quote today more than ever we need truth authenticity inspiration and most of all a solid relationship with the creator john is co-founder of the inspired channel with his wife Kristen nolan who are self-described parents inspirators free spirits creators and teachers whose mission is to inspire you to find your true power as a songwriter artist and inspirational speaker jean finds his purpose in inspiring others to live theirs jean and kristen together have creatively expanded their knowledge sharing networks through the immensely popular inspired podcasts life coaching events and the inspiredchannel.net all those links will be in the show notes below a uh, quote, our story is filled with love, adventure, and the unconditional desire to always learn, grow, and expand and never shy away from the contrast that assists us doing that. Whether speaking to the darker side of the globalist agenda, matters of health, politics, or ominous prophecies from the past, Jean masterfully does this so from a context of spirituality and the reality of self-determination. Quote, when everything on the outside gets really chaotic, 
It could be a sign that we're close to a breakthrough moment. No doubt this is an episode not to be missed, as Jean here is to empower you to connect to source, God, the universe, and hear your own guidance system for the confidence and the tools to live the life of your dreams. This is exactly within the philosophy of Alpha Vedic. We believe in self-determination and taking responsibility for your life, and the, that is how the universe works. We are in a mind-powered universe delivered by divinity, and when we take responsibility for that and master our thoughts and our actions and everything follow through, and life is beautiful. Uh, Bear Lando, take it away. Okay, uh, John, uh, again, awesome, awesome to have you here. Uh, you know, I listened to your premiere with uh, David and Kathy this morning. It was great. And, and what what a great uh, combination with the three of you people there. And I'd encourage anybody, everybody to get over and listen to that. Uh, you know, you, you covered some, uh, some topics that are pretty popular these days. We've been covering them on our channel when we get into simulation theory, uh, which I don't think is a theory and uh, AI and that sort of thing. So I'd really like to get your thoughts on it. It was great hearing you on a round table, but it'd be good just to isolate you a little bit, put you on the spot and uh, you know, see what where you think all this is going. And um, you know, I don't think you uh, need any introduction. Our audience knows uh, a lot about you already, but for in the event there's somebody out there that doesn't know you, uh, it might be fun. Um, and I'd like to know a little bit more myself. You know, uh, you had an interesting upbringing in Austria, I believe, and then somehow made your way over to uh, uh, the States here and became a country Western performer. So uh, if you just give us a little history, if you don't mind, you've probably done it a lot, but I think uh, we'd all enjoy that. And then we can get into some uh, nitty gritty here. Sounds fantastic. And first, let me say, Bear and Mike, thank you so much for having me. It's a great honor and pleasure to be here. And uh, thank you for the wonderful work you do. As I just said, uh, Christine and I, we got familiar with your work through the movie uh, that was on the, or is on the iconic platform. Absolutely amazing, amazing work that inspired us deeply. So we're so excited for this connection. And um, well, you know, I Honestly, to be honest, I don't really like talking about myself all that much because I think there's so much to speak about. But I, I understand uh, it's quite a curious story. If you see a guy with a cowboy hat singing country songs and, and you, you know, you'd expect him to be from Georgia or Tennessee or any of those places. But really, I, I'm from Europe originally uh, and grew up in Austria. And there's perhaps one story that explains it the best, the whole picture in one little story. Uh, must have been about three, four years old. And I was playing with my little matchbox micro cars in the living room in our little apartment where we lived at the time. And um, I think my mom was sitting at the dining room table or something reading a newspaper. She's she's a journalist. So that's probably what she did. And um, she later told me I was playing on a floor with my cars and talking to myself like kids do. But I wasn't speaking German or Slovenian, the, the two languages that I was raised with. I was mumbling something that sounded English to her. And mind you, that was in a time where we didn't have anything English on TV. Um, it was not a language that I was in any way, shape or form familiar with, at least not from a conscious standpoint. But uh, the longer she listened, the more she said it just sounded so English to me and she didn't speak English at the time. So it was so weird to her that she decided to sign me up for an English class. And it all came so natural to me. To me, it was like remembering things. And then later when I started 
traveling to North America, Canada, and the United States, I remember every time I, I stepped on that holy ground, you know, Turtle Island, uh, for me, it was like coming home and I couldn't explain the feeling, you know, it, it would be freezing cold, uh, winds blowing in Canada in, in, in December, and I would feel right at home and have tears in my eyes. And, uh, and, and later when, when Christine and I decided to move our family to Tennessee, because I had been in, in music and country music for a while and in music all my life, um, it was like coming home, you know, literally like coming home, understanding the culture, the people from a level of remembering rather than learning. And um, to me, it just, it, it made it so clear for me that I had been here before. Uh, and this place is absolutely, you know, home soil for me. So nothing feels more natural than being here and working and playing and, and doing what I do every day. Well, we're glad you're here. And uh, you know what I love about you guys is uh, your wife and yourself are a team. And, uh, you know, Deb and I have always, uh, we've had many years together. And uh, is, there's something really powerful when a husband-wife team can, uh, you know, be in business, raise a family and, and do all the above together. Uh, be good friends and then but be a, a power battery you know a real creative couple there's there's uh, an immense potential on that and uh, you know I'd love to see more couples out there doing what you guys are doing um, you know what you speak of as far as this being home uh, you know it recalls to me a, a prophecy I know you're aware of the Hopi prophecy where they said the rainbow children you know the 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 uh, descendants of the uh, ancient ones would all uh, come into this place at this point in time, uh, you know, and wear skins of all colors and races and, uh, you know, really be the memory banks of, uh, you know, what has gone before and to guide us in the future. So you're obviously one of those old souls that belongs here. So, uh, so amazing. So um, why don't we start out too, um, if you can tell us maybe any projects that you're really engaged with now. I know you're really busy out there. You guys are uh, working on many fronts. Uh, just kind of share with us anything you're up to, and then maybe we can, you know, dive into some subject matter of other types. Absolutely. And uh, and I, I so agree with you that the beauty of um, us doing this together, Christine and I, is, you know, if you look at it from an energetic standpoint, it combines both the male and the female energies, which we've seen so much imbalance, you know, uh, a lot of male energy extreme. And, uh, you know, even the, the the women that have come up in the last decades so often needed to or were pushed into being more like men. So this beautiful and, and my wife is is a real woman with beautiful feminine energy. So that that's what makes it so well balanced and rounded. And truth be told. Um, you see me on camera 95% of the time, but there's so much behind the scenes that she takes care of and that she does and that she brings her energy to. And people can feel it. They can feel it. And they, they mention it in the comments. They feel her energy. And I think that's what makes it so beautiful for us and why we enjoy it so much. But she's really, uh, I don't know if it's the same with, with you and your wife, but I'm always amazed at what she can accomplish in any given day. I don't, I don't even get close to that. Never, ever. So just wanted to say um, say that, and uh, as I have expanded on that subject, I totally forgot what your actual question was, Bear. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, uh, no, no, um, 
I was talking about uh, or asking you, you know, about any special projects that you're engaged oh, yes, with. Oh, yes, yes, comment, yes. A, a quick comment. Uh, sorry to disrupt again. Uh, you know, when you're talking about two polarities coming together and finding balance, uh, that's when you leave the world of illusion, the world of polarities. And that, uh, you know, can later on in the talk maybe segue into AI and all the other stuff and simulation theory, because, you know, we live in, in the simulation. It's it's really electrical effects, after effects. It's not original source or original idea. You know, you have to come to that point of stillness, which you talk a lot about on uh, you know, your broadcast as far as your uh, practice daily with meditating and, you know, so, and then when you have a couple that comes together and, and seeks that balance with each other, you create a harmony. And, you know, there's a reason why, uh, you know, the, the Sufi order of old, they said, you know, the best way to enlightenment is to get yourself a partner, you know, because it's a difficult path because uh, you're always going to have that mirror of your own shortcomings. But then if you can get over that, and find that harmony between each other, uh, you know, then that stillness that you derive through that is not just a power of manifestation, but you leave the world of illusion and enter that, uh, you know, that, that source consciousness of creative potential, which is why you guys are doing such special things in the world, which brings me to the question, uh, what are you guys up to? So um, I think one of the most important things, and this has been the vision driving everything for us, has been really for the past 12 years or more, um, is the, vis the vision of the kin's domains, um, which if you're familiar with the uh, Anastasia Anastasia books, the Ringing Cedars books. Yes, and, uh, uh, Gabriel says hi, by the way. Wonderful. Yeah, Gabriel is, is, is running the founder of the uh, Anastasia Foundation here in North America. Wonderful wonderful spirit as well. And uh, this has been, it's really, it's really affected our, our souls and spirits on a level I can't even describe. And it's a vision that has never left us. And so everything, all the work basically that we do is to help bring this to fruition on a, on a larger scale. And part of it, and that's recently begun is our great friendship and collaboration with Food Forest Abundance which is a wonderful movement and company based out of Florida, Jim Gale. And it's so many of the topics that you all and we can completely relate to because they all, they all work for the same vision, the same outcome. And um, so Jim speaks a lot about food independence, permaculture, and all the things you speak about as well. And he's kind of really I think taking the best of what the business world has created over the last uh, century or so and put it to good use, right? And make it scalable and make it applicable for people that have never really been much of, you know, in touch with gardening or growing food or always thought it's very difficult. And so he made it and, and his team, they made it so easy and simple for people to get into it that it's the most natural thing that we would collaborate. So that in the background is a lot of the work that we do, um, setting up Freedom Farm Academies that are completely, if you will, off the grid uh, kind of homesteads and teaching people how to do that themselves, teaching people how to install food forests. And we're getting more and more interest from corporations that have land or churches or other uh, groups that have land and uh, of course, if you look at the big picture in a world where there's so much uncertainty, where uh, the the food chain as we know it is being completely dismantled, 
it's it's more appropriate than ever for people to do it. But at the same at the same time, uh, there's a much more spiritual component to it than what just meets the eye here. There's a return to the land, a return to the seed, you know, the seed of everything. And the seed holds the whole truth because out of one seed, the whole plant grows and, and all the information is already in there. So it's symbolic as well. And people are beginning to connect these dots. The, the conspiracy people in politics and, and, you know, that are very in minded there and, and that's where their focus is and the spiritual people. And the natural, the people that uh, that feel very connected to nature, it's all beginning to connect. And we are we're very much invested in helping to facilitate that connection and make people see that we all belong together. And so that, that's been really um, in the background, a lot of what we've been doing and what we're going to continue to do over the next year. And then, of course, parallel to that, we still have um, we still have uncovering work to do. We still have, like you, like you hinted at, even the simulation, the matrix, um, and all the things that have been going on within it, that people are on a large scale really just beginning to grasp. So a lot of people say, just step into the solution energy. Don't look at any of that. And, and we so often see that when people don't see it and don't realize it, they um, almost unconsciously support wrong agendas or dark agendas because they don't know about them. And so this is a very uh, complex journey that we're on where we are uncovering inconvenient dark truths and at the same time co-creating new paths, new systems, and actually the original system that I think uh, we were created to live in and live with. So it's, it's a complex thing. And sometimes it seems like there's not enough hours in the day but then uh, we, we remind ourselves that there's a, a greater power and irregular solutions that come to us every day. So it's, it's an exciting and never boring journey. I can tell you that. For certain. Well, it's uh, so great to hear that you're with um, the Anastasia folks, Gabriel, and uh, with Jim. Uh, both Mike and I have been on their platforms. We've had them on ours. And um you know, and and the, actually, both good, there, both spoke at Music. Well, uh, Gabriel spoke at Music and Sky, and Jim was supposed to come speak at Music and Sky in California. He got stuck in the Dallas airport for like 16 hours and couldn't make it. So um, they're both dear friends, and that's so cool. We're all connected because that just shows the resonance, and that we're all on this. We see it. We see where we're going. Sorry to interrupt, Bear. No, no worries. Uh, you know, I was just going to say the the first clue that you're getting divine inspiration and nothing, you know, on the lower levels is when a lot of good people get the same idea at the same time. So, uh, you know, we've just been behind the scenes doing our thing for a long time. And then we've, you know, connected with some of the people you mentioned and, uh, you know, we're all arriving at this point in time. And, uh, you know, what I really want to do, and I, I see what, you know, what we need to be more involved with is just interconnecting with all these folks, which we're already doing. Uh, that's one good thing about technology. It's bringing us together. You know, Jim's in, uh, in uh, Florida there, you know, we're all, all out here on the left coast. And then you have, um, you know, people that are uh, all over the world. You know, I, I really like to tune into the the talks with the Anastasia folks there. You know, they're in Europe. And what's really good, uh, you know, I, I started following Anastasia long ago when the books first came out. And uh, Russia is really uh, a soul brother to the 
to uh, the Americas. And when, I, when I talk about America, it's the three Americas, not in a globalistic sense, but you know, it is one landmass. And uh, you know, when we talk about being Americans, where when I say that, I mean, you know, South America, Central America, and Canada. You know, we're all in this together. And uh, we shouldn't have to have borders right now. We have to because we're getting, you know, played against each other. But, uh, you know, they're all, uh, you know, we're all one kin. And, um, you know, we need to start realizing that. But Russia has a very uh, important historical connection with us. And also on the energetic level, which also might give us a clue as far as why Russia is being demonized right now and, uh, you know, under attack. And, um, you know, when Russia and uh, North America here and, you know, just right up not too far north, we're almost connected there, uh, depending on which map you believe in. But it's really, um, you know, important, you know, that people are coming together. And as you, David and Kathy were talking about this morning on your premiere is uh, the one thing the folks uh, that want to control us fear most is that we're coming together because when we come together, we'll stop complying. And uh, that's why this is such an exciting time right now. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's kind of like we're, we've been all in this huge, huge um, space, but we were all in our own cubicle and, you know, quietly in our own cubicle. And all of a sudden one's getting up and the other's getting up and you just see how many there are getting out from their cubicles and that's i think what's happening and it's it's unstoppable of course you know they're going to throw every everything at us that they can to slow it down to disguise it to demonize it all the all the old we know every trick in the book by now but it's still unstoppable the question is are we going to have to go through a lot of suffering are we going to can we can we can we get there faster i think that was See, that was Anastasia's or Anastasia. That was her vision really was, can we actually make a huge shift without another cataclysm? Like it's, you know, been over and over and over and over again, countless times. And, and this is a big question. We are, we're experiencing a cataclysm right now. It's not the cataclysm yet. And I still believe we could potentially make it through the shift without having to destroy everything. And that's kind of the goal here, I think, right? That's why we're so passionate, because perhaps we can do it in a better way this time around. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Uh, you I just mean, recently had Jason <laughs> on. Go ahead, Mike. I was just going to say, I think um, from, from my research, yeah, we have these cataclysms for a reason. It's like the great, you know, cleansing of the planet um, from all of the collective thoughts that lead to this destiny of that takes us down the darkness. But I do agree, Jean, I agree that that's not, I don't personally see that happening for a long time. And I think we are, we have the opportunity to move into a sort of golden age because of people like yourself and Alpha Vedic and Kathy O'Brien, who will be on the show actually December 22nd, booked her. Uh, uh, and those that are, are, collect, are, are affecting the collective field of consciousness. And through that, we affect our destiny. I really believe that. And I believe it doesn't take the majority. It's a minority to, to do it. And then the majority follows. So yes, I, I think uh, it's inescapable. The cataclysms come. It's part of the cycles. 
but I don't see that cycle within the near future, like our recent guest, Jason Brashears, is saying 2040. Uh, his his through his um, certain mathematical uh, historical calculations, he's saying uh, 2040. And I know you've had Jason on as well, uh, Jean, yeah. um, that we're 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 um, already there. And I have different thoughts based on the science of thought and based on work from people like Walter Russell. Uh, who have shown that um, the field can be affected by the science of our thoughts. So we are doing the work here today by influencing others to start realizing the power they have by simply thinking into the reality. Well, I, I couldn't agree more with you. That's that's exactly what, um, and that's exactly what's happening to people. It's happening, it's, it always happens first on a personal level. I mean, as much as we see suffering on a grand scale because of the way we lost our way, uh, people experience this first on a personal level. Things don't work out in their lives. They they they're in pain. Uh, they're you know poverty, uh, abuse, relationships that don't work. All these things. And what does it do to people? I mean, for for many, thankfully so. That hitting rock bottom says I need to change something, and then they realize when everything else on the outside falls away, and you can't change things on the outside anymore, you have to change what's on the inside and actually uh, release yourself from all the false beliefs and and all the suffering. And that's the personal journey that we're all on. It's also the return to the creative, original creative energy. I think you know the, the energy of the creator and realizing we were. We were created really in the image of the creator. And, and that is reflected on the inside. And when we heal, forgive, release the crap, the, all the bullshit, what remains is essence, right? And, and that's who we really are. So it's not so much changing ourselves as actually living up to who we really are and, and releasing everything else. And that's happening. That There's no doubt about it. It's happening on such a massive scale that if I were, I, I said this, I think if, if I would teleport myself um, into 2010, 2012, I wouldn't be able to believe what's happening right now because the numbers have grown so significantly because it reflects in the language that people use. It reflects in their choices. Um, like you've been, there, uh, uh, you've been mentioning the rainbow or the rainbow warriors and the rainbow people. And it's so interesting that so many people say, uh, they moved to our, you know, to our neck of the woods here to Tennessee from various places. And when I asked them why, the most common answer is, I don't know. I was just guided to do this. And these are, you know, not not always just spiritual people. Sometimes it's freaking accountants or God knows what, just very <laughs> down to earth, reg regular people. I don't mean this in a condescending way, but people that don't usually use that kind of language. Let's well, just, I don't know. I was just, God told me, the creator told me, universe told me to move here. So there's there's something huge happening. And there is not to be underestimated what, what that can bring about. So I, I remain more than hopeful. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing what we're doing every day. <laughs> yeah, you need folks from all walks of life. Um, you know, in some of the old uh, theosophical teachings, they said uh, the new age uh not in a new age sense, but the, the next golden age would be ushered in by business people, uh, you know, people from all walks of life that actually know how to roll up their sleeves and get things done. 
So it's not necessarily the folks that are the academians or the folks that have, uh, you know, read uh, Rudolf Steiner and all of some of the things we talk about here. Um, you know, yeah, so you can't judge a book by its cover for sure. Um, I really think it's valuable. Uh, Mike touched on it a little bit, and I jumped into this many years ago as far as understanding uh, the physics of the simulation. And when you get to the physics of the simulation, you get to original idea. And at that level, which is the whole shebang, uh, a child can understand it. Things only get complicated when you see the electrical after effects in their many divisions and forms and, and the way things play out. And of course, that's what we're seduced into paying attention to, which creates chaos, which is the plan. So, uh, but just with that uh, understanding that when, you know, we leave that sensing world and go to that original point of balance that we mentioned, you know, then we are being inspired. Uh, that's when, you know, people like Jim and yourself and Gabriel and us, you know, we all say, hey, let's start farming and return to the land. And um, yeah, so good things are happening. And I think cycles are real. Um, I, I love the amazing research of people like Jason and a lot of others, you know, that we've talked to. It's phenomenal. But I also believe cycles are uh, to be broken. Uh, you know, it, they have to stop somewhere. And again, with these basic understandings and desire, and desire comes from the creator. Desire puts those electrical effects uh, that we think of as thought into motion that create the simulation. Okay, so so what? Who or why? Uh, you know, are there overlays? Are there simulations within simulations? It, it's sure explainable how that's possible and how some people could have abused that, but it really gets to a point like who cares? And uh, that doesn't mean you stick your head in the sand. It means that you understand the same science that some people are using against us and get busy yourself. So what do you think? Are we here to go through endless cycles uh, or are we about to break free? That's the same question I asked uh, David and, and David Ike and Kathy O'Brien in, in the interview you mentioned earlier. And it's something I think about a lot. I, as I said, I don't think I don't think it is necessarily natural or necessary to always go through cycles. I think it is part of this program that we're in, right? A program. And um, who, who, you know, the question is, who does it benefit? And before I answer that, at least in my perception, there's a story, um, an experience Christine and I had that's been coming up for the past two days. And I didn't know why until you just said what you said. Now I realize why the story came up so I could share it here. Um, and that was quite quite many years ago. I want to say probably at least 10, 12 years ago. And we were in Austria. We were at a farmer's market where we would go twice a week and, and get our produce and all of that. And we were standing on the edge of the farmer's market where there was a bus lane and there was a bus parked there. And then there is kind of a second bus lane right next to it where buses move in and out. And uh, we were standing there having a conversation and out of the corner of my eye, I'm observing this elderly lady. She was probably the grandmother or great-grandmother, I don't know, pushing a stroller uh, with a toddler in it, right? And she she moves the stroller in front of the park bus. And I turned my head and I could see another bus in that second lane. 
So there's a park bus and the other bus is moving quite fast in that second lane. And she was pushing that stroller right into the street. And what happened there is, I can't explain it in physical terms the way we understand physics. What happened was, in, and, and it happened for Christine and I, and we realized this later, I looked at the situation and in my mind, there was no panic. There was nothing else. I, and, and this sounds now, this is going to sound crazy. I willed for an overlap of dimensions to happen. So that's, that bus wouldn't hit the stroller. The way I saw it in my eyes was the bus went through the stroller above it. beyond. I don't know how to explain it any other than that. She pushed that stroller into the road and where the stroller was and the, where the bus went, they would have shared the same space, but somehow they didn't. And I thought I was crazy. And I looked at Christine and she said, did you see that? Did you see that? And I said, yeah, I saw it. And she said, I wanted this to happen. I said, I wanted this to happen too. It, it all happened in a split second, but it kind of expanded in our perception into a minute. I don't know how long. It just felt like everything was in slow motion and this thing happened. And um, it's nothing to be, you know, you could go, oh, wow, I'm so powerful. I made this happen, but that's not what this is about at all. It's actually, it speaks to the interdimensionality of these experiences that we're having and that what we believe to be 3D and solid just isn't. And that's where so much of our suffering comes from because we're so attached to these ideas that, that what we see with our senses is actual, the, actually reality when it's just an, an interpretation. We're in, we interpret code, we interpret electrum, electric signals and electromagnetic signals and and I'm not a you know I'm not a science or tech guy to explain it any better. I can just tell you what I feel. But that experience um, was repeated in many other ways, maybe not as extreme, but often things in our reality happened that shouldn't have happened, and that shouldn't be possible. And um, the the question is, you know, the the question that keeps coming up is which is real? You know, is the split second real or the rest of what we experience? And you could almost say, I think we are coded into a dream. And, and for a lot, of, it's, it's a bad dream. It's the matrix, right? We're coded into this matrix and we're beginning to decode ourselves from it. And so um, the question for me is, and I really don't know, is are we going to propel ourselves out of it into prime reality, which I believe is much less, less dense. It's more crystalline in nature. Uh, I can feel it in my meditations in states of uh, expanded consciousness where I don't have the burdens of the physical body and the heaviness and all that crap. And it's easy many times in my meditations. Or the second option is we will actually free whatever this realm is from this um, grid that was here for so long of darkness, of, of evil, of all these uh, impure thoughts and frankly, it doesn't matter which one it is. I'm, I'm just, I'm just ready for this transformation, and it is happening, right? As I said before, so many strange things. People are falling away, like people that used to be in your life, and try to look them up. You won't find a, a you know, there's no, so, there's no trace of them anywhere anymore. It's like they've fallen off the earth, and it was something that was said a long time ago. People are just going to fall away. They're not going to be in your experience anymore uh, because they didn't make that shift with you. So uh, th this is definitely happening, and um, and whichever way it works, I think it's a technicality. It might not be that important in the end. 
And at the same time, uh, wonderful people out of the blue just come into your experience that you never would have expected. But oh, uh, yes. either, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, either way it plays out. Uh, I think that the point is, is have fun with the game. It's, uh, I mean, what an amazing ride. Uh, I just, I marvel every day looking at just things, the way they play out so synchronistic and just things you can't make up anymore. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Mike. I was just going to say, yeah, when you're synced into this knowledge of what you're exactly saying, Jean, that the gross physicality is just an illusion and that everything is mental and, and derived from divine desire, right? That plays into the rightness in our conscious, uh, you know, in terms of what we see as right is wrong. And when we go with the inner voice and we believe in it and we project it out, that becomes our reality. I think when we understand that we play with this and we have fun with it, man, life is fun on the individual. And so the more that people you know, there's a discussion going on in the chat right now that's really driven a lot by Jason Brashears in terms of the collective reality. Jason often says, and for those that aren't familiar with Jason, he's been on um, the Inspired uh, channel. He's been on with Alpha Vedic. He has some amazing, amazing truth drops in terms of all his research. The guy is quite profound in his work, and we appreciate him so much. He's really doing amazing work. And what he's really stressing is that the collective future is already sort of set. We've moved past that ability to change that collective destiny, if you will. But he also agrees that personally, we can affect our reality because of the way the nature of the simulation and that we can literally project our own reality. So what's the difference then if each individual comes to know this, right, and starts doing this themselves, then that into me, in effect, will we'll shift the collective reality because if each individual wakes up to this and gets out of the gross materialism and understands this, right, you start to see it. To me, it makes sense. Then there can be a collective shift. Um, do you see it happening that way, Jean, or are you more in the perspective that, and I know we've kind of been talking about this, but um, that this reality is set and that we just need to sort of I guess the the thing that we're seeing in in our scene is a lot of people are becoming separatists and they're just finding their own kind of way out. But I think it is crucial that we work together as a community. Where do you see that going for you? And are you developing community on your end of the spectrum over where you're at? Yes, um, yes, we are. And I'm, I'm going to try to answer the questions chronologically. Thank you. Sorry, um, that was a lot. No, 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 no. It's, it's all good. It, it all kind of belongs together. The what what Jason talks about is so you know in, in terms of data and research is so profound. Jason Brashears, that's not something I can comment on because I haven't spent all those years collecting that data. So you know, um, more power to him for this amazing ability to put it all together. But what I will say is I haven't experienced in a very um, practical way yet, that people can be propelled into an experience they're not ready for. So I haven't seen that yet, that evidence. So that someone who is, whether that's physically or spiritually, not ready for an experience, yes, they can, they can be physically a part of it, but they won't benefit from it at all. And so you could, you and I, or let's take you and someone who's completely different from you. You could have the exact same physical experience, but you would take away completely different things. For you, it would be bliss and joy and happiness. For them, it would be horror and fear because they don't know it. They don't understand it. They haven't thought about it. And so I don't think in, in the spectrum of vibration, 
that people can actually have an experience that is far removed from their own vibration. I just don't think they can have it because there is such a gap. Um, that that That's to say that I don't think that the lowest uh, vibration in the spectrum can actually move up to the highest vibration of the spectrum without a journey. So I don't think we can all be propelled into a collective shift just like that. I think there has to be a journey. But we 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 think of time, right? But where does time matter but in, in this life experience? I don't think time matters. We think of time the way it is, but it's not a linear thing at all. So it's, our, again, our human perception trying to decode and interpret things that we can with our senses because it's all based on some linear metric. And once we, and you only move past this linear metric when you're not in your day-to-day -day life, when you're not doing interviews and when you're not analyzing problems, because then you move out into all that is, and there's nothing to do there but to be. And, and we are, I think we're slowly but surely pulling that more and more into our physical experience. More and more we're realizing that we're beings not doing so much. And at the same time, I'm doing so much. So I totally understand the, the controversy in all of it and, I, and the paradox. And even, um, you know, in, in some ways, it's even nonsensical. But I think this is what the transitioning period is. This is where you are learning. This is where you're expanding. And in, in matters of community, um, when people connect with like-minded people, first of all, there's a, re a relaxation that happens. All of a sudden, you're not alone with the crazy thoughts. All of a sudden, you're not the only one who is thinking about these things. And you realize it's much more common than you thought. And then um, people start to have similar goals and people start to, you know, once you return to that more natural state of being in your spirit, you want to put your hands in the dirt more. You want to smell the flowers more often. And you want to be able to go uh, maybe into your backyard and go into your piece of land and pick a fruit and eat it and have that divine experience, right? So the, the creation of community is so important on so many levels. It's also important to um, have this power in numbers so you can defy aggressors and oppressors and, and all that crap that's happening and say, hey, you know, there's a lot of us here. Why don't you just, you know, why don't you just fuck off and go somewhere else or whatever? I'm just part of my French. But I mean, sometimes, you know, that too helps with community. Um, and uh, we're we're beginning to build it on many different fronts. There's, there's, a, there's a group that we're a part of that is really... Um, really desiring to educate people on what freedom means and how the expression of freedom is and how important it is to be educated on that and to continue the education in that. Then we're connected with people that are, that are, you know, very much into creating that natural space and community around it and gardens and food forests and all of that. And, and then there is the community of people that are inspired to help others see a greater picture so there's a lot of communities, actually, that we have become a part of and we're beginning to build, which is very, very inspiring. And um, every time that we go and have a meeting or talk to, to one of these groups, there's greater clarity, right? Because we enrich each other or in, provoke each other, uh, have arguments, find solutions. All the, the cap all the capabilities and abilities we have started to lose as a collective because of constant bombardment with distractions, real life communication, talking to each other, listening, 
not just listening to respond, listening, comprehending information, realizing you might have been wrong about something. Uh, it can't be replaced with just online communication, with just this, you know. All of this is is making a huge comeback. So yeah, if that answered uh, in in a few ways your questions you had, I hope. Uh, and don't don't get me wrong, I realized the contradiction in actually speaking out against technology while using it to do it. I I, I I'm you know it's not lost on me. Well, te technology, um, the way I see it, is there's nothing new under the sun and. Uh, nothing can be brought out in a technological form unless it already exists. So as uh, we're using technology, you know, we should really understand, okay, how can I just bypass this technology with my own inner game? And I think that's was the original intention of technology, not to have it become a, a dependency or, or, or to have somebody weaponize it against us. So, you know, you're talking about people that uh, are ready for certain experiences and others that aren't. And, and you know, not everybody's going to have the same reaction to world events and things that are, you know, happening right now. Well, you know, take a lesson from our technology. You have to have the software. And without the software, you can't experience things in a certain way. And the software in our realm, I believe, is experience. And some of us open ourselves up to certain information, certain experience. And, uh, you know, that allows us to go places where it may be where other people don't go. Um, I just wanted to touch on a, a quick question. I wanted to ask you about your own uh, homestead there in Tennessee. But uh, before we uh, get into that, you know, you talked about um, freedom and that you teach freedom. Now, freedom, I think, is a little deeper concept than uh most people appreciate so in a nutshell, how would you define freedom? Well, in very simple terms, um, and that's maybe not even as spiritual, it's uh, not having to do things you don't want to do. And that's, if you take it very simple, our our political systems, our society is, is based on the premise that your life is micromanaged, right? I mean, even, even in the United States that prides itself on freedom, it's like there are so many things you have to do, fill out forms and file things and um, comply with things that you know are actually detrimental to the whole, right? So freedom to me means that you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. At the same time, your actions can never harm another. That's the end of freedom. Um, you know, in a more spiritual sense to me, freedom is realizing this is a experience it's not the experience i'm having an experience in my in, in a physical body but that's not who i am right and once i realized that i mean put me in a cell whatever it, it won't make me less free because i realize i'm not that which you put into the cell this is a you put a physical vehicle in a cell that's gonna perish at some point anyways and that to me is real freedom and then um it, it leads to responsibility. You know, if you really discover freedom, you also discover the responsibility that it brings. And living in freedom, it's the highest form of responsibility that you then have because you are then only bound by your moral compass, by your principles and values. Because I don't really, I'll be honest, I don't answer to lawmakers. I don't answer to any written rule 
because I know what it was created for. It wasn't created for your or my benefit anyways, but I answered to a much higher authority. And so while things technically would be allowed in our society and I would be free to do them, I'm not doing them because I know they're wrong, right? I know they would harm others. And that to me, um, we need to bring responsibility and freedom in the same realm, right? It's the highest form of living truly. And, and I understand today much better why as we have lost our way, all these rules and regulations in a very ironic way had to come in because in some way, um, society needed some sort of protection against those who had no more boundaries. And we see it today, right? We, we see that a large number of people has no more boundaries. I mean, they, 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 they harm, they kill, they steal because they've lost their way completely. And freedom to me is really returning to that spiritual understanding that we're part of the creator's energy and that we have the highest responsibility. That's why um, I'll be very blunt here. If you go to someone who's very ignorant, very stupid, you can't, you can't teach them freedom by saying you're free to do whatever you want. It is a spiritual journey that we have to take again. It's a moral journey that we have to take again. It's a value journey that we have to take again. So um, a much bigger topic than meets the eye to me and uh, and not just something you, you know, you you write in a post and and that's why it is so it's it's a big, big responsibility to live in pure freedom. So the law of balance is that you can only get as much freedom as you give. And ironically, then the control freaks of the world have less freedom than anybody. <laughs> I mean, have you ever seen one of those? Look at look at the whatever. The people that are in the visible eye, look at the George Soros's or the Hillary Clinton's or the Bill Gates's or the Klaus Schwab's. Do you see happiness? Do you see joy? Do you see even, I don't know, they're not even content. I mean, there's Def so you much. You definitely don't see any beauty. No, 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 no inner, no outer beauty. So, you know, the, it, it's 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 exactly like you just said, Bear, that the, uh, the irony is... Uh, that they themselves are in, in the greatest form of bondage and they don't realize it. Yeah. I think one of the, I, I think we do have a duty and that comes with freedom, right? Responsibility and the duty to live a righteous, virtuous life. And there was a question here by Samuel in the chat. Is it worth, you know, trying to tell and help people that might be on the process of waking up quote, what quote unquote waking up, which is a never ending journey of us waking up out of the dream. Right. Um, but, and it, what I said is, you know, uh, live by, you teach by example, by how you live, right? It's like the classic chivalrous knight. They took those oaths to protect the weak and protect those who need the protection through living a virtuous way. And I think that's just the way to do it is go out and live that beautiful life and show the beauty of love, which is the generating principle of all in everything you do. And then that resonance will reach others who are do on that same path. You'll meet amazing friends. And then others will hopefully see that as an example of a means towards a better life. Um, and so you do that in amazing ways by not only through your channel, but through your music and all your passions. Um, did you want to speak a little bit to your musical uh, career and um, where that's led to now? And, um, you know, why you chose to do that and what fruits 
have you uh, taken from this wonderful journey of doing music? <laughs> That's a good question. It's it's been really a journey. I've um, I said you know I've been singing for as long as I can think. I couldn't walk past the microphone um, even as 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 a small child, and um, I had multiple experiences in the music industry, even as a kid, where I withdrew, although it was very successful what I was doing, intuitively withdrew from the system, you know, and of course, as a, as a kid, I, I didn't realize why. And then um, the more I went into the, you know, you deal with record labels and, and the whole mainstream entertainment system, the more I realized that I asked myself why I even wanted to sing, right? I started, I started writing songs at 14. And there's, there's two kinds of, usually two kinds of people in music. There are those who will learn their first three chords on a guitar and start playing songs they love by other people. And those who learn their first three chords and start writing songs. And I was the latter. I was the writing songs kind of guy. And it was always an expression. And um, in the past, music had a very specific purpose. It wasn't just to entertain people. That was the least of its purposes. The main purpose was to speak truth and do it in, a, in an emotional, passionate way, passionate way. Um, speak about the beauty of nature, the beauty of creation, and any other truth, really. And so uh, the, the, the musicians, the singers of the past, they would travel through the land and sing to people, and their songs were truths and teachings. And boy, have we, have we steered away from that. I mean, just where we are today, it's absolutely shallow, meaningless, and serves only a purpose of control, right? I mean, controlling the mind and, and polluting it and poisoning it. And so I realized when I, the more I entered into the market of music, that I slowly but surely would lose myself in it. You know, I would lose a little bit of essence every single day um, when you play ball. And so um, as hard as it was in many ways, Christine and I decided that we were never going to play ball in any area. So even my musical journey was very, um, very unique in, in, in the sense that I only do, I only record the songs I want to record. I only write the songs I want to write. And I'm, I'm really desiring to return to the state that I just described of what a singer or musician should be, what their cultural role is, right? That's a, that's a purpose. That's a destiny that you have. That's a talent you've been given for a reason. And if that reason is solely to entertain or solely to fill your pocket or solely to uh, feed your ego, you know, you're not living up to it. And um, ever since I made that clear choice years ago, many years ago, I've been, I've been nothing but excited about this journey. And then you meet people, like you said, Mike, you meet the, or, and, or Bear, you said it, people step into your life that feel the same way. And now I'm at a stage where I'm, I'm, recording and writing songs that I feel are true to that destiny, true to that purpose. Whether that's going to resonate with a million people or 10, that's not up to me. That's not my, my job to decide. Uh, my job is to live up to the purpose. That's all there is to it. And the rest is going to be decided by whoever runs the show. Mm. Uh, I had the opportunity to work with the legend Merle Haggard before he passed. Uh, and that, you know, you being a country music singer, I'm sure are familiar with the sort of outlaw 
um, aesthetic that he and a lot of the Bakersfield crew developed, right? And that was some of my favorite country music. And so going to his um, estate and working with him shooting a music video was really interesting to see how this outlaw sort of was very worn down by the system. And by, I think he kind of gave in to the commodification of the music and, you know, had many homes, many wives, all that. And it was kind of heartbreaking to see a man who I looked up to so much as an outlaw who sort of gave in a little bit to the system. So props to you, uh, Mr. Nolan, for sticking to your guns, because I think it's more important than ever with how terrible music is and how commodified and uh, I mean, pop pop music is probably um, the worst music in the world now than the history of known man. Um, so for you to step out there and do that and create your own marketplace with your patriotic music, I think says a lot about your character, but also it's a smart business plan. I think people will have a future that stick to their guns and do that. I really believe that is the future of music uh, because of things like the internet and be able to, your ability to create your own marketplace. Have you seen um, you know, fans reaching out to you? Through, uh, through platforms like YouTube because of your music and, and getting this sort of messaging that um, by, by sticking to your guns, they've been inspired themselves to maybe write their own music or, or follow in their passions outside of the system? Oh, that, that's happening every day now. I mean, like, like you said in, in a previous comment you made before we talked about music, when you step out and do something that is maybe a little unusual, maybe you know off the beaten path, and when you do it authentically, you also give others permission to do it. I mean, you don't do it consciously, but that's what they get. Oh, so this, you can do it differently, right? And all of a sudden more people go, okay, I'm going to try this too, because this is what I really feel rather than what, you know, this industry wants me to be. And, and I, just a quick comment, and not, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but I encourage you, because you're going to have Kathy on, I don't know if you read her book, Transformation of America, or... Uh, access denied but yeah. there's there's something to be said about Merle Haggard and quite a few other people in country music that's unfortunately <laughs> not what people want to hear about them yeah um there here it is guys uh definitely uh a harrowing read <laughs> to say the least talk about talk um, about you know mm -hmm. talk about being let down when you meet your heroes or learn the truth about them but um the the whole the whole journey is so inspiring to me when people reach out now because we have the inspired platform and my music platform that are beginning to cross pollinate, if you will. And people are beginning to realize that I haven't really been talking about it too much on the channel. It's just starting to come through it um, because I'm really not two separate guys. I'm one, you know, I'm, I'm one, I'm one being, I'm not an artist from nine to 12. And then I'm a, you know, I'm a podcaster, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I'm just doing what I'm inspired and what I to do and what I think my purpose is. And that was always everything that that's all I ever wanted to transport. When I, you know, when I really started playing bigger shows and bigger tours back in Austria, people would always ask me, you know, from the press, everybody, you know, how is it to entertain a huge crowd? And I always said, you know, that's not my thought at the end of the show. One of my favorite things was to go out and talk to people, right? I mean, I would sign CDs and stuff like that, but just the conversations. And when I heard someone say, this inspired me, 
that's when my heart was full because I thought to myself, what was it really that just happened to that person? Yes, I might have played a song they like. Yes, they might have enjoyed that. But I think what they saw is someone who's living their purpose. They saw me on stage doing what is part of my purpose. So if it inspired them, perhaps they themselves will feel their own purpose and ask themselves, what is my equivalent to what this guy is doing? What, what is my purpose? What, is, what am I here for? And if that happens, that's when my job is done. That's all I ever wanted to do with a song, with a show, with an interview. That's all I ever want to do is remind people that, when, that me living on purpose is just hopefully an inspiration to you doing the same. Because when we do that, that's when the collect, collective really shifts. When people begin living their purpose, what they are here for, uniquely, authentically here for, the game really shifts. So that and everything I do is really the, the, the intention. Inspiration is truly divine. Other levels of motivation um, you know, come from a different place. So it's just somebody living authentically is... Uh, as, as you say, true inspiration, and it's going to wake up people that are ready for that level of purpose. Uh, you know, you're hinting around at some folks that are maybe in the industry. In my clinical days, I had quite a few of those folks, and uh, they would come in, you know, with health issues. And there are, um, I won't get too graphic or name anybody either, but um, there's a lot of compartmentalization that had to go on in their psyche in order to make the decision to be owned basically. And that um, did eventuate in illness and, you know, issues that, you know, brought them to my doorstep. Some of them interestingly also came from families with certain practices where they, um, we'll say we're victimized, you know, from early on and then used and, you know, even though later on became celebrity. So um, back when Kathy first came out with her book, I was still involved with that group. I was telling you about where David used to speak and so forth. And um, I recognized immediately Kathy's story. It didn't stretch my imagination because I had, worked with folks that had been down a very uh maybe not the same identical mk ultra you know at the hands of the directly from the you know the the government but people that were definitely mind controlled from a very early age and used you know with that and that's why it's such a blessing when um you know kathy came out and then was able to validate all her experiences and of course, what's really special about her is she came out the other end, which takes, uh, you know, a pretty strong will uh, force and constitution to be able to pull that off. So uh, what a what a tough road to go, though. Absolutely. Absolutely. Kathy is such a beautiful spirit. She's become a dear friend and um, mm -hmm. absolutely amazing how brightly she shines if you think of what she's experienced and uh she's she's a true testament to the human spirit i always say that that's a true testament yeah we we talk and about just to... I, I, go ahead, go ahead no you go ahead please no i was just gonna say not just to survive but also to not 
um, just forever look at the world as a hopeless, dark place and, you know, uh, carry the optimism that she that she resonates. Mike, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say we were talk like the, the title of this talk is be inspired for the breakthrough moment. And Kathy is a great example of that, how in her book, she she you know documents how she goes through that, and which is a much more harrowing adventure than I would ever wish upon anybody in this realm. However, I do think it's important for us to all realize, I think we all have to go through that breakthrough moment to really understand why we're here in our journey. And that's really what everybody's here to do. And Bear, you as a physician got to see that so many times right with with your patients and clients um where they had a um a health crisis that forced them to have that breakthrough moment um jean have you had that breakthrough moment and what possibly was that for you um i, I want to say there were quite a few of those it wasn't just one but um the the way at, le at least i think and for most people is the breakthrough count comes after the breakdown and the breakdown is some sort of, you know, some sort of truths that you thought were true are not true. And so you, you know, you kind of shatter a little because there's something that dies before a breakthrough. Something always needs to first die, some illusion, some pain, some trauma. And um, for me, it was quite a few times where I thought I'm at the end of my rope here. There's nothing I can do at this point, right? I've tried everything I could and it's not working out. And every time that I went through a moment like that, greater expansion has happened because eventually I always asked myself, what's the alternative? You know, what else am I going to do but go through this? And there was a time, and this is what I consider really a breakthrough. It's when really something, a portal opened, if you will. There was a time where I was, and, and I'm no stranger to hard work. That's how I was brought up. So work is not a problem for me, you know? Um, but there was a time where none of my work would come to fruition whatsoever. Doesn't wouldn't matter. I, I could do eight hours a day. I could do 16, 18 hours a day. I could do more, even more, and, and nothing, nothing worked out. And it had taken a toll on me physically, spiritually, financially, everything. At, at that point, there was really not much left. And I said, okay, I give in. I'm a, I just went into my bedroom, to our bedroom, and I, I meditated. I said, okay, I, I, I did everything I could for years. It's not working. Show me. And I decided to stay there for as long as it, it would take. And, it, you know, I would show up every day for that. I would just meditate, sometimes hours at a time. And eventually, something began to relax inside of me. You know, all these ideas, all these, uh, you got to work harder, all that crap. It began to just relax. And I could feel something greater coming through. And that something greater started giving me real inspired ideas i'm not even joking real inspired ideas that i had no idea where where they came from they were not part of my thought process they were not part of anything i had been engaged in and um all this voice all this presence was saying to me was just do this next thing just do this next thing just the one thing that's right in front of you and i started following that 
and things began to slowly but surely put themselves into a balanced place. And, you know, I've experienced in the physical sense, in this financial sense, really from lavish abundance as a child to nothing, less than nothing, like losing everything and having nothing. And it was in that nothing moment that I had some of the greatest inner joy that actually propelled me into what our life is now and what it's expanding into now. But these breakthrough moments um, never happened without my willingness to forgive, forgive whatever came up as an experience from the past or forgive myself for not being better, for not getting it done, for not being able, whatever the thought was. And that to me is the key element of breakthrough moments is there has to be a healing that happens on a deeper level because there's a reason why you're suffering. There's a reason why the suffering continues and it's not natural. It's because we were traumatized. It's because we live in a traumatizing way in society. And so these breakthrough moments, what all what connects them all, a correct a characteristic that is, they all have is that forgiveness needed to happen. And then the joy that comes after is just absolutely indescribable. It's reconnecting with source. And this happens individually, and it has to happen on a collective level too at some point, right? We're going to have to have that experience too. But what I, what I want to encourage people to do is find a way, find help with it. There are great helpers with that. There are great processes for that. We can't access the deep pain that's hidden in the subconscious sometimes without help. But that's the key thing. That's what we need to heal. That's the breakthrough moment. And so don't be shy to ask for help. This is the time in our shared history to do it. Are there any um, modalities or methods that you came across that you think would be valuable? Yes, and actually many I've used. I mean, um, Christine, my wife, has been a coach for many, many years, and um, I've done my share of coaching and one-on-one and -on -one coaching. And one that I always, well, two that I love, but one that um, is very accessible to many people is called The Journey by Brandon Bass. And I don't know if you're familiar, but that is a very, um, it's, it's, it's a very short process if you think of how long trauma lingers, uh, decades, you know, and the process itself maybe takes an hour and a half to facilitate it with a practitioner. And um, there are two kinds, a an emotional and a physical journey, and both are really emotional, but they, the way they take place is a little different. And people can look them up on thejourney.com. We've used this process many, many, many times. It is not applicable for absolutely everyone. The, where the mind control thing comes in, it doesn't seem to work as well. Uh, that's where we would suggest maybe reading Kathy O'Brien's book, PTSD, A Time to Heal, um, also very powerful. And the second thing that has been absolutely amazing in our, in our life experience so far are family constellations. And this is something I, I hold so um, dear in my heart. Uh, I, I I can't recommend a practitioner here in, in North America currently because I don't have experience here. Um, Christine has been doing them for many, many, many years. And maybe in the future, she will, she will do that again. Uh, but family constellation therapy is 
one of the most powerful tools and ways to facilitate healing. And these two, the journey and the family constellation, have absolutely changed countless lives that I was lucky enough to be a part of and experience, changed and transformed in ways that you couldn't possibly imagine. And that, those are the breakthrough moments, really. Those are really the breakthrough moments in, in my experience. Fantastic. Mm. The family, yeah, the, the it, family constellation. Sorry to interrupt, but that's come up a lot lately. Um, we've had a lot of people talking about that in our Telegram group. Kelly Brogan just shared uh, someone she recommends on her sovereignty series. Uh, uh, Kelly Brogan, MD, if you're familiar with her work. So that's really interesting that you bring all these. That's like so many synchronicities in this talk for me right now, Sean. It's <laughs> blowing my mind right now. Are I you haven't even heard of that. Are you familiar until now. at all? No, I'm not. Like, I literally am I just hearing done. about this uh, in this this month. So, yeah. it, I mean, I, I was involved. Um, I was go just going to say, in, in my practice, uh, you know, we pioneered some techniques that you know that address that issue, and we were absolutely critical with helping people break through uh, with a lot of issues. Um, I I don't know what's going on recently. You know, I come from a different era. And uh, actually, a lot of what was going on back then in the uh, 60s, 70s, you know, when I was getting a lot of my core training and then continued to develop, uh, really became the basis of a lot of uh, work that's out there now being taught and, and you know, workshopped and, and things. But uh, we would always have to address the, the family um, matrix. We'd have to uh, very often bring in other family members and treat them because otherwise you know it's just all next to impossible to help uh the the first individual that came in to see us in the first place uh you know when i was in hawaii i worked with uh traditional kahunas over there and uh you know the first thing they told me is well you got to do pono pono and so if uh a person came in with a particular issue then uh you know you didn't see the kahuna you saw one of the assistants and then they gathered together all the family members, even if they had to canoe out to neighboring islands. And, and when they got everybody together and cleared the air, then the kahuna would come and say, okay, now we can heal the individual that was uh, portraying the illness of the entire clan there. And in our work also, we had a way, because it was very neurological based, uh, we had a way of going in and addressing ancestry, you know, not just living relatives. And that uh, really went into some interesting areas. So I don't know how that compares to with, uh, you know, what people are doing now, but anything else you want to share about that would be nice. Actually, uh, everything that you just mentioned is part of family constellation therapy. And I just want to say that's one of the fields where um, we've only ever worked with very, very experienced facilitators. I mean, literally decades of experience and the idea is simple. The idea is very simple. There is a natural family hierarchy, a system um, that was put in place. And when that system is healthy and whole, right, when that system works the way it was supposed to work, then the individuals in that system are healthy and, and whole. It's as simple as that. When the individuals are not healthy and whole, that's a sign that the family system is not healthy and whole. And what do I mean by family system? Where there's a mother and a father. Those are the, the basic elements. And then when they have children, that's the next tier, the next generation down. And in that relationship, 
there's there's a natural hierarchy. You can never step to the same level that your parents are in or even above them. But in our in our lived experience, that's so often happening today. And then there are so many unhealthy dynamics between a husband and a wife often or between the generations because of, you know, unspoken abuse, unhealed trauma, abortions, all these that play a huge role in the family system and that have never been talked about and never brought to light and never healed. And the energy of these abuses and the pain and the energy of, of every unbalanced thing that happens in the family system, unless it is addressed and healed, it doesn't go away because energy doesn't go away. It just begins to express itself in the, in the generations to come. And the longer it lingers in a family system, the greater the suffering and the pain becomes. And that's when you see untimely deaths. That's when you see um, a lot of, you know, quote unquote, generational sicknesses, illnesses, alcoholism, uh, all these tendencies that are unnatural to us. And when you heal the family system, and for that, you actually don't need the whole family. Usually it's one member of the family. Usually it's the one that suffers greatly that uh, facilitates this in a seminar, for example, in a, in a family constellation seminar, it begins to um, trickle into the whole family. And oftentimes you don't know where the pain comes from. Like you said, it could be three generations back and in a family constellation session that becomes apparent. It becomes apparent where it comes from and it can be healed at that level on a soul level. It all sounds very mystical. But once you have experienced it for yourself, you will see that it's actually extremely logical and, and it makes all the sense in the world. And I've seen so many healings happen through it that are so powerful and um, that are so inspiring because we, we return to these eternal truths again, you know, like the family is the core, the, the core community within any system. And that's why it's being fought so hard, of course. That's why the family as the, the natural institution, which everything is based on, has been fought the hardest, because that's how you break societies, that's how you break nations, is when you destroy the family system. And, and when you heal it, likewise, that's how a new thriving comes up. That's why I'm so passionate about this. And Christine and I have talked on our uh, Locals platform in a more intimate manner, a lot about family constellation. Great. The only thing, uh, the only therapy that seems mystical to me is the conventional medical system as it's evolved <laughs> to present. Oh man, talk about, talk about conspiracies there, right? Uh, that makes so much sense to me. You know, like even the Plato talks about the family logos, right? And how uh, we're all interconnected through our thoughts. And that comes in, of course, in physical, uh, you know, exasperation of, of illness, um, that makes so much sense to me. I'm going to look deeper into that. And, and thank you so much for bringing that to the forefront for people, because obviously we see in the postmodern uh, realm now of forced sort of uh, the family dynamic being separated by, you know, the education system and through the culture of uh, the technology, uh, the shattering of the nuclear family and the extended family uh, has, I think, led to a lot of the uh, apparel in society and the West, especially. So this is something I think uh, could be a great modality for many to heal that past trauma and then come together and really trust in each other again. So thanks for bringing that up. That's a really phenomenal. You're very welcome. It's, I think it's something that can 
help heal whole nations. I really believe that. I really believe that. Well, and the no idea of us. I was just going to say the idea of a nation being a family too, right? And nationhood and this sort of mental destiny of a nation like America, where we have this destiny that the forefathers envisioned through this sort of self-actualization, but that was a sort of mental a mentality of the entire United States, right? That this is like manifest this reality together. And of course, that's been completely shattered and destroyed through cultural Marxism and all sorts of other uh, sort of uh, mind melding, terrible uh, uh, philosophies that have been interjected through the public school system. So yes, us as a nation family too, I think is really important. Uh, Go ahead, Bear. And the real history is when you get into the root races, you know, I think what were the seventh root race. And um, also, I was uh, actually listened to, uh, what's the name, a Native American, he's on your channel, uh, that talked about uh, we're the seventh generation of the, the mixed race. And uh, Are, are you, you speaking about Oren or Lyons? Chief Oren Lyons? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I was going to mention the root races, you know, each root race has had its own little energetic quirks, and those are acknowledged in the, the practice of homeopathy. We call them miasms, and they, you know, are the underpinnings of what we think of as, uh, you know, disease or illness in the physical level. And uh, so we're talking about energetics that linger centuries and eons. So you're right. There's no time factor for energy. It just it just is until somebody breaks the cycle. So uh, I think now it's time to get really down and dirty here. So uh, what are you guys doing on your land out there in Tennessee? Have you got something going with uh, Jim or Gabriel and and uh, doing things on your own land? Yes, the, the the project that we're currently um, really working on is the first Freedom Farm Academy here in Tennessee, which is it's going to be a space where um, on about one to two acres, we're going to, you know, put in a food forest, a, a studio will be built for, you know, for Inspired. Uh, it's going to be completely self-sufficient, all, of course, in, on the basis of permaculture. And uh, it will serve as, you know, of course, a space where we continue to grow food, but as an educational space on um, on permaculture, on food forests, on off-the-grid living, and on all other topics. And um, the idea is to educate people that want to do it themselves, people that want to be other, you know, facilitators for others. Uh, really, we're really invested in the idea that we can maybe t- turn 20, 30% of the lawns of America into food forests, right? Just imagine, I mean, imagine even 5% what that would mean. This is the land of lawns. I mean, nowhere in the world do you have, uh, you know, more perfectly manicured lawns. If you, if you're, we're in Williamson County, Tennessee, I can just tell you, I mean, this is like an art form here. And while it's, it's quite beautiful to the eye, it's the most nonsensical way of using land and abusing it because of all the pesticides you need. And, and you know the the manpower that goes into manicuring it when you could put in a beautiful food forest landscape that looks beautiful tastes beautiful takes care of itself uh replant you know um, transforms the soil and is a multi-generational gift to mankind and nature itself so uh, we're just beginning to 
um, help people shift that in their minds, right? Because they think it's so much cheaper and easier to maintain a lawn when nothing could be further from the truth. So that's our, um, aside from our own um, piece of paradise that we're uh, co-creating, that's really um, as a public service, if you will, something that we're very, very passionate about. And um, that just, it's just something that brings tears to my eyes when I think about the possibility that maybe in 10, 15 years, uh, you will have so much food abundance in this country that no matter what happens, no matter who tries to do anything, people are fed, people are happy. And um, just recently, we did an interview with Jim Gale when they installed the first food forest at his school down in Florida. It was just so powerful to see. And he said, um, just the interest and the effect it has on the students. And I can only imagine what's going to happen in a year when they see the you know the fruits of their labor when they see what happened to those um, trees and to all everything they've installed there and that they put into this the dirt and how they're going to eat uh, rather than some crap artificial lunch food where they're going to eat the fruits and the veggies from their own food forest that they planted that is changing a generation that right there is changing a generation and we want to do it on a really really big scale so that's that's the one side. And the other side is our own little kin's domain that uh, Christine and I and, and our families co-creating. And uh, that is the most intimate and most private journey we have. So we don't currently share too much about that other than what it entails, not where it is or stuff like that, because we want to have our private and sacred space that we co-create. Yeah. Totally, totally understand. Deb and I, um, we take the greatest joy in, in doing just that. And, uh, you know, at the end of every day, uh, you know, we'll usually have a project and, uh, you know, it entails a lot of labor and, and, you know, long hours, but at the end of the day, we just sit there on a rock or somewhere and just stare at, you know, what we did all day. And there's just nothing more satisfying. You actually see a tangible creation. And, uh, you know, on this particular farm that we're on, it's uh, our fourth off-grid homestead. And uh, so we've learned a little bit each time. And then we finally made it to this piece because it's just has all the ingredients we needed to take it to the, you know, what we consider the ultimate level. And um, so we've been here going on to our seventh year. And just like our first projects, um, you know, you, you work and you see some results and, you know, but then after year three, four, five, and then now, you know, this summer was year six. Uh, it's just phenomenal. You you see the, all the, you know, all your efforts just coming to life. And of course, every effort that you put in when you're working with nature is met 10,000 fold. And so, uh, you know, you mentioned about uh, lawns being repurposed. People have no idea the aesthetics of um, a real food production, medicinal herb production. Uh, you know, we have uh, little meditation spots. We have um, zones that are, you know, purpose for one thing or the other. Some of them are around, like I have my lab out here and, you know, around my lab, we have different other things growing that are all make sense to grow in that particular zone. And, and as there's just nothing more satisfying and uh, definitely takes um, 
you know, eases the, the uh, you know, Deb and I are empty nesters and we were always uh, parenting was the most important decision we ever made. And we did it consciously. And uh, so this uh, really helps the empty nesting syndrome as well. We have new little babies out there in our farm that we, you know, nurture and bring to life every single day. But no, there's there's nothing more gratifying and talk about beautification of the of the earth, um, just creating topsoil for new generations to come uh, if you're doing things right. And also the decentralization. So we're, we're getting, um, you know, eliminating the need for the scourge of factory farming and all the, the practices that go along with that, that have destroyed the soil. And most important is just reconnecting us to the land period, because that to me is the the greatest ill of all. So that's awesome. So my question uh, to you there is, um, how do we, you, we're doing it right now, I understand, but how do we reconnect on another level? Like, I really want to get more on board with Gabriel, you know, because I understand just his, their little two acre plot uh, thing and Jim has his own avenue. It seems like we all have a little piece of the puzzle. So uh, I'd love to see uh, a larger thing mesh out of all this. Yeah, and I'd sure like to participate with it. Same here, honestly. And I, um, I think one thing, and that's I want to bring it up because when you talk about um, new communities and when you talk about self-sufficiency and off-grid, so often the topic comes up of communities and people living together and sharing land. And this has been brought up to us so often. And I want to make one thing clear in our observation, and and this is what Anastasia says so beautifully, also in the books. It is very important that a couple, a family um, has their own space, their own space that belongs to them, that isn't shared with other families. Yes, you can share in a community. Yes, you can have plots next to each other. You can do all of that. You can share community space. You can have schools and all the other stuff that you want to do. But there is something to be said, and it doesn't really matter how big or how small the space is. There's something to be said about the family energy that uh, manifests in a space. And um, and when we talk about communities, I think that's the one thing we have gotten wrong in the past collectively. We always wanted to do the big sharing and, and it just basically doesn't work because not every family always has the same vision at the same time. And you know, you might want to really, you're really inspired to put in a lot of labor into the beautification and the other family just really isn't inspired to put in a lot of labor, creates a lot of imbalances. And so um, our vision is, and I think we shared this with Gabriel and also Jim is to start creating small communities. And one of the things that we would love to do is um, literally liberate land, liberate land from the um, commercial repurposing system where it's being sold and resold every few years for speculative purposes. Liberated to mean purchasing it out there, taking it out of that cycle. And there are uh, lawful ways to do it. Whether they really work or not, we will see, but there are lawful ways to do it. And then have that land, um, you know, pieced off in, in, in two, three acre uh, lots where families can purchase it. Um, you know, not to make a profit, but purchase it for their own for their own family, and start creating their own sacred space. And uh, the the suggestion that comes from the books, which I think would be very important to implement, is 
that um, we need to get maybe our local municipalities and towns on board with the idea that such spaces could be very health producing food producing spaces that maybe shouldn't be taxed that's a, that's a you know that's kind of a a tough sell but in the long term i think we need to think about these things also what are the practical ways to implement that you're not really free on your land if you have to pay rent to the government every year so all these ideas are, are coming together and they're being, you know, we're, we're starting to think through how to actually make that happen. And so one step at a time, but um, I don't think we need to create communities with thousands of families next to each other. I would actually look at smaller uh, uh, cells of maybe tens of families, maybe 20 or 30 families that are in a space and they can share a lot together, right? When they have their own piece of land, and they can have some infrastructure that they share. Um, and, and obviously school education will be very, very important because while many of us have homeschooled um, and it is a wonderful way to do it, it's, it would also be beautiful to, to see children that grow up similarly, you know, on their own piece of land, growing food with their families, uh, being educated in such an energy together. Uh, so, so that is happening. And uh, we're open to all collaborations. So if you all have ideas where if there is land that's somewhere available, um, we're we're starting to connect the dots, like you say. Um, mm -hmm. And the sky's the limit of what we can accomplish with this. You know, there's so much land in the United States that is deemed um, not very valuable in the commercial sense, but extremely valuable to families that want to live harmoniously with nature. And even in urban areas, I couldn't agree more with anything. You know, we we saw a lot of failed experiments in the 60s and 70s when everybody was, uh, you know, trying to do communes. And it just always, uh, always turned into chaos. And, um, you know, uh, one thing I, I had a short little stay in one of uh, that kind of situation. What we saw is a lot of people that would arrive because they had needs, not because they had skills or or a real effort that they wanted to put into it. And the other thing was uh, there was a great tendency to want to have meetings all the time. And uh, Deb and I would sit there, you know, and we're like, God, think of all the stuff we could have done already, you know, if we weren't in this stupid meeting. So um, yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot of folks like yourself that just want to go out there and create and also have your own space. That is so, so important. It really is. Well, we're doing that in some ways here. We've had people that have become attracted to this area through, um, you know, the podcast and the company and through other events we do and have bought land up here, going through the process of getting their land patent so they can, uh, you know, get off the hook for what you're talking about in terms of the uh, extortion from the state. And then, you know, are now joining in a local network here. So we network, we do work parties, we have gatherings, we 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 assist each other, but everyone is sovereign on their property with their family uh, in that kin's domain aesthetic. Uh, and so I think what we could do is create a sort of a federation of landowners that are with it, that are you know into permaculture and in homesteading and all that, similar to what like Owen Benjamin has done with the Bears community where we have a federation of us using something like Cordal, which is a decentralized new internet that I've been involved with, or some means where we do use technology for our benefit so that we can stay connected across time and space, but we're on the land and we have meetups and stuff, but now we're federated across the, 
the whole, you know, United States or whatever across the world um, so that we we are connected. And then doing commerce, it's like, what are you an expert in? Oh, you're in Florida. You can grow amazing fruit. We're up, uh, you know, here where we have a specialty in growing herbs. Let's connect. Let's do commerce. We would love your mangoes. We'll send you our teas, right? And so now we're building this bartering, trading new commercial enterprise through a federated state of sovereigns versus being isolated in just those pockets of community, I think we can kind of have the best of both worlds. What do you think, John? Well, I think that's exactly what it needs to be. And there's, you know, we um, we live in the South, as I said, in Tennessee. And what, what Christina and I do quite often is um, when we drive further South, we go through states like Alabama, Georgia, uh, you know, Northern Florida, that are very, it's very fertile land, very, very beautiful land that's not used at all. So many people have land and property, so many little towns that are maybe an hour away from a bigger city or maybe two hours away from a bigger city are, you know, they are dying off. Their economies are dying off. There's nothing happening there, but people have extraordinary amounts of land there because their families have had it because every every um, property is at least an acre but they don't realize the value they're sitting on there. So part of this is, can we can we educate these little towns on the opportunity and possibility that they have, not by growing monocultures and doing it in the uh, you know in the industrial agricultural way, but doing it in the permaculture or natural growing way, where you have no no pesticides. Of course, you have greater yields and you have a regenerative system and i'm i'm dreaming about um touring through these little towns and talking to the people and saying listen you have so much valuable land that you could use you can you can feed your own families that's the number one plus you can sell to let's say richer families for their own needs you can sell to corporations that need it because they want to produce great organic food products juices whatever it is right so we have such an, an opportunity to even reach the people that maybe might have more of a, you know, just capitalistic mindset. How can I actually create a better economy here? It's not just um, one approach. There are so many approaches that we can take. And I think you probably will have the same situation in California and other states with these towns that are dying, that their economies are dying, but they're rich in land and rich in opportunity to do that. But this is education, right? Because when you tell them to grow fruit, well, I'm not a farmer. Well, you don't have to be a farmer because uh, the way the way this works is much different than what you've been taught. It doesn't mean it's not labor intense per se, but I think we could revitalize communities across the country and re- revitalize their economies and bring back their spirit, right? I mean, uh, all these little towns, people are moving away, leaving their, you know, leaving their family, leaving their heritage. And then it shouldn't really be that way. Uh, you know, so there are so many approaches like the one you just said that we could take. So I'm, I'm all open to putting our heads together and maybe creating even educational systems that can help do that in an easy and digestible way. Well, I think it's already happening. Um, John, I could uh, talk to you all day here and uh, I look forward to doing this again, but um uh, any final thoughts you have and uh, uh, or things that you'd like to discuss that we haven't already? And also, if you could tell our audience where they can find all of your different projects and uh, and creativity. Well, first of all, thank you both. 
I, I could do the same. I could keep talking and and uh, sharing ideas. It's very inspiring. Um, there's one thing that is uh, in in the Six Nations uh, Confederacy Constitution, and in their opening ceremonies and in their transportation of wisdom, one thing that they always say is, no matter what situation you find yourself in, no matter how dire something seems to be, never take the hope away from the people. And I think this is more important now than ever. We're living through times that I call the manifestation of truth. And truth isn't necessarily pleasant and beautiful at all times. There's some ugly truths that we're becoming aware of as societies around the world. And that could lead people to despair and hopelessness when nothing could be further from the truth, when this is so extremely important for us to realize what is truth and what is authenticity, what have been lies and what is a real path forward. And that's the time that we find ourselves in. And so when, when you think it's, you know, you're surrounded by darkness, it's really just that darkness now showing itself. But that already means that something has happened. There had to, you know, there had to have been an intention for this to happen. And this intention was by millions of people who wanted and still want a different, a new, a better future. And what is happening is that desire manifesting in our reality. And, and just like in our own journeys, it will take hindsight to really appreciate this. You know, when we get there, if you will, when we get to a new period that is much brighter, we will appreciate this period much more. But don't ever give up. There is so much beauty on the horizon. There's so much potential. And, and it, it isn't outside of you. It's all inside of you. If I can leave with one message, it's, it's all inside of you. You matter deeply. You matter so much to all of us and to this whole world, you have no idea how important you are and how important your light and your purpose is. Even if you haven't found it yet, it will find you when you open yourself up to it. And purpose is not a big word. It's it's in every little deed that you do. And you matter so much. Your presence matters. We need you uh, just like maybe you need us. And I just want everyone to know that we're in this together and uh, that we will continue to show up every day and never ever give up hope. There's so much, so much beauty that awaits us when we're through this period here. And it's showing already, the light is already showing through the cracks. So uh, I hope I can, I can leave with this positive message. And um, for those you know, who want to join the Inspired Tribe sometime and, and check out what we're doing, uh, it's the Inspired channel on YouTube. And that's the main channel. We're also on Rumble. If you look up just the word inspired, and um, if you want to find all the links at inspiredchannel.net, find our whole social media and all that beautiful stuff. And we'd love to have you. Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. No, thank you both so much. <laughs> and I understand that Deb and Bear are to be interviewed on that platform. So that yes. I am very much looking forward to. Yes. And I want to say something just for the record. Um, <laughs> I reached out first. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I watched the movie, uh, you know, and, and, and we learned about Alpha Vedic and then immediately Christine was like, Oh, they're wonderful. Let's let's have them on the channel. And so we reached out. But I think uh, the email fell through the cracks. And oftentimes our emails do fall through the cracks. That's 
I think a, a game they're playing with us here. But I'm so excited we got to connect, and we ca I can't wait to have uh, you and 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 Deb on the Inspire channel. It's going to be wonderful. Oh, well, we look forward to it. And uh, great minds think alike because uh, you know my inbox has many cracks, <laughs> and um, <laughs> uh, you know just independently down the road, you know I I, I you know was a fan of yours, so I thought I'd reach out to see if you'd be open to coming on with us and that's when you told me that you actually reached out which i felt bad about because uh anyway yeah. uh you know michael tell you i'm i'm notoriously bad with uh, computer communication if you need <laughs> to get bear email me uh that's the, that's, the that's the secret guys um no marty leads us in the chat uh and he was saying we need to hear more from mrs lando so uh he's he's resonant too with this and yes i'm really looking forward to that uh it's going to be a good one and let's stay connected john let's work together i really love the federation idea i think that's something that is sort of missing a little bit is the commerce angle and giving people a means to um you know bring in some of that some of those ducats whatever those will be hopefully not fiat greenbacks but some sort of uh sovereign currency of uh means uh and I know Jim Gale's working on that we're working on that with Cordal and um uh, with Alpha Vedic uh trying to really be a model for uh, a smaller enterprise of of someone you know developing an entrepreneurial means to um uh, create a model for uh you know a multi-generational business is really what we're looking at here going back to the family business right uh and uh that's a really an inspiring means that you're already on that level too and that we're all kind of seeing that as a as a as a way to get out of this mess so thanks so much uh let's stay connected and everybody if you uh were resonating with this talk give us a thumbs up please share with your friends and family it really helps get the word out uh this will come out as an audio podcast as well you can follow us on podbean we're on spotify and all those other platforms so follow us wherever you feel more comfortable listening we're also on odyssey unite.live we're still on d live i don't know if anyone's even watching us there anymore uh but uh I we got kicked off of that one oh uh, we were only kicked off briefly when we had owen on and then they like, let wow. us come back so we did get kicked off discord so we're no longer on wow. discord for those that are asking um you can find us on telegram at t.me forward slash alphavedic and of course alphavedic.com Love you guys. We will have Kathy O'Brien on uh, December 22nd. And then um, next week, please join us. Uh, who do we have on next week? Let's see. We have, oh, yes, Hannah Maria will be joining us from Europe uh, with a wonderful presentation on the uh, relationship with animals. And it's a really inspiring one. I will probably tear up and cry a little bit on that one. So uh, join us next Thursday for that. And we love you guys. And thank you so much. Remember to get outside, get your feet in the dirt, go grow something, go for a hike with your family. Mother Nature is here for us to be a teacher. Go show her some love and respect. We'll see you next week. Cheers.